either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Here we are, Labor Day weekend, and what has Labor Day weekend done to make Hollywood mad? <laughs> kind of giving it the cold shoulder this weekend. But uh, we do have some stuff to look forward to next week with It Chapter 2, but we got some stuff to talk about this week, and at least one that's pretty darn good, and we'll get to that. Uh, welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He is George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com, and we're going to start at the top. Let's start with that one that uh, is the cream of the crop this week. It's a married couple forced to reckon with their idealized image of their son, adopted from a war-torn nation after an alarming discovery by a devoted high school teacher, threatens his status as an all-star student. It's called Loose. If you Googled model student, Luce Edgar's picture would come up on the computer. Given Luce's background, you and Peter must have faced quite a few challenges. The language barrier, the culture shock. I mean, you don't pull a kid out of a war zone and have him turn out like Luce without a lot of help. Which is why this is so difficult. Difficult? Last week, he wrote a paper in which he argued that violence was a necessary cleansing force. You, you teach this? I don't. You really think I believe that stuff? I don't know. You threaten your teacher? I didn't. Loose, don't lie to me. I'm not. Loose. It's the truth. What happened with Miss Wilson? There were a lot of rumors. This woman decided to go after him on some witch hunt. Well, the first thing we should say, if you're looking it up, it's Luce, L-U-C-E. Right. That's the character's, name. the character's name, the high school student. And this is really, the word I just keep coming back to is provocative. Yes, that's it a perfect really word for it. It really invites a lot of conversation. It's interesting, I think, because uh, because Luce, the character, is the captain of the debate team. And there are d- different scenes in the film where you see him practicing a debate, and that which seems perfect to me, a perfect allegory, because... The movie itself, I think, is asking the audience to debate different uh, topics. Very much so. And it's based on a play by J.C. Lee, and Mm -hmm. he also uh, writes the screenplay. And so, as is often the case with plays brought to the screen, it's talky. Yeah, it is. It is talky. But uh, you're right. It it asks the audience to debate so many issues. I mean, in its running time, it gets to... Just about everything that we're grappling <laughs> a lot, with. A you lot. Know, really, the only thing it leaves out is Russia, yeah. pretty much. Russian collusion. Right. Other than that, man, it weaves a lot of social problems, social anxieties, social issues, and, ha- and the different ways they can manifest themselves into this story. And it's, it's Tim Roth and Naomi Watts back together as a married couple. And if you've seen Funny Games, it's hard to get that <laughs> uh, image out of your mind. But they're great, as always. They are a well-to-do white couple, and yeah, they have uh, adopted this, well, he's now a high school student, but they adopted him as a seven-year-old, and he had already been a a killer from a war-torn nation. He was a child soldier. Yes. And uh, it's looked upon as just a miracle of saving the boy's life, turning him around. And so now we catch up with him. As we said, he's an all-star student. Everybody thinks he's just the best, and it's not too long before you realize Everyone's invested. Everyone is, yeah, everyone is alarmingly invested in his not just moderate success, but his tremendous success. He is the golden child. And so then Octavia Spencer plays a history teacher who she stumbled across two things 
that has her a little bit concerned about Luce. Yeah, and the or the thing earlier, well, first of all, we should say Luce is played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. He's great. He's so good. He was so good already in uh, it, comes it Comes at, at night. night. And yeah. this is, and it's funny, he's so, his performance, this character is so different that it took me about half the movie to realize it was the same guy. Yeah, uh, but anyway, Octavia Spencer's character is, she's introduced as a, a good teacher that he likes, but a real ball buster. Yeah. You know, she really keeps you in nose to the grindstone. So we're we're introduced to her that way, which is interesting, the way that her character then uh, kind of changes throughout. That, that that early description we've got of her gives us a clue into mm-hmm. their relationship. And so she's coming on a little bit strong now. She thinks that she might have see might see a chink in his armor. And basically what she's saying when she the, in the first meeting she has with with Naomi Watts, who plays his his mother, as happens to almost be the case of everyone. She's a little more invested in Luce's success, not for himself, not in, in terms of him, but, but in terms of represents. the school. Right. Yeah. What he represents to the school and what he represents to, to the race. Yeah. And um, and I think that that's a really important moment because one of the things Luce included, one of the things that this film does is it, it points out nobody is as they seem. And how do you really ever know who someone is? Yeah, and um, the teacher, Octavia Spencer, has been alarmed a little bit by a an assignment that Luce did and his what he turned in, his writings that he turned in, she she takes it as maybe a little bit threatening, maybe a little bit worrisome in this era of school violence, and then things just snowball. And then there's also some some side plots going on with his friends, and one friend that was kicked out of school and lost a, possibly a, an athletic scholarship because of uh, some drugs, and then there's a girl involved. And, mm-hmm. And it, boy, it has a lot of it tentacles. Does. It really does, because a lot of it is about is about that idea of expectations, high expectations, mm-hmm. but only high expectations for some. Right. And how, in these respects, the high expectations for some, it's really the way they reflect on you as a parent, as yeah. a teacher, as an administrator. Yeah. And it's not necessarily to the benefit of the children, so that... Or the young adults, so that the ones there are people who are who are damned because of low expectations, and then there are others who are maybe are damned because of high expectations. Yeah. But one of the things that I think made this movie so compelling and crazy, I don't think it's that unusual to see a film that looks at the way an African American male is being perceived, right? I think that that's I mean, it can be done very provocatively and, and interestingly. The thing that makes this one so fascinating is the fear down deep. Uh, among the parents and the and the teacher, right, is that this kid is too smart and has a background as a murderer. Uh-huh. Like, he's too dangerous. Not dangerous in the way that, you know, any, any 17-year-old man could be, yeah. but way too dangerous. And that's a little bit unsettling the whole film through. And I think it's really a credit to Kelvin Harrison Jr., the way he manages this character, I mean, he's absolutely breathtaking. Yeah, the director is Julius Ona, who also constructs it very, puts it well together from this screenplay, as we said, based on a play. It's one of those that I really give credit for answering the questions almost before you ask them. Right. I mean, there's one, I'm not going to give anything away, but there's one part where uh, someone finds something that's been hidden. And I thought to myself, now, how would they know to look in there? Well, you know what? They come back yep. and they tell you yep. how they knew to look in there. So just things like that. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very uh, intelligently put together and just so, so thought-provoking. It is. Uh, you know, don't expect answers to no. all these issues. That's no. not the point. The point is, look at how all these different ways these issues can come up and, and the different 
ways that people have to, uh, as you allude to, mask their intentions. Yeah. And maybe they don't even realize them themselves. Yeah. They don't realize what they're doing. Yeah, because I want to I give credit, too, to Octavia Spencer, who is uh, just a tremendous actor and I think hasn't had an opportunity like this mm-hmm. to have so many layers to one character. And, and gosh, she does such a great yeah, job. Yeah, because her character ends up having a very emotional side yeah. story as well. Yeah. She's got something going on in her life yep. that's very heavy. And maybe Luce is playing on that, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, but it's also, fascinating. What are, what are her intentions? I mean, yeah. are they as noble as you think they are? <laughs> I know. And, no, maybe yeah. they're not. Well, maybe underneath it all they are. I mean, it's just fascinating, the layers and layers and layers to each one of these characters. And one of the things I really liked the best about this was the way the film and Luce played one parent against the other. Oh, How yeah. each one was like a step ahead, a step behind, a step ahead, a step behind. It was, it, again, the, the movie is so unsettling, and yeah. that was one of the ways in which it, it just kept you sort of off balance. This is one of those movies that I think would just invite, like, right away, let's go into the lounge and talk about it right now, yeah. or even have a having a panel discussion. Yeah. It's just there's so many issues at work here, and as you say, layers, and really, really well well done in all aspects. It's written and direction and act, acting, and uh, it's really, it'll it'll make an impression on you. Really That's enjoyed right. Loose. That's right. So, Omar, yes, you should pay money to see this one. <laughs> Next up, we have a man's family dying in what appears to be a murder, but he gets a phone call from one of the dead, his niece. He's not sure if she's a ghost or if he's going mad, but as it turns out, he's not. It's called Don't Let Go. Who is this? Who do you think it is? Where are you calling from? I'm at my house. In my bedroom. What's the date today? It's June 25th. Believe it or not, I'm sitting right here. Two weeks in the future. I, I don't understand. There's a crime that in your time hasn't yet happened. Your dad's gonna die. Your mom's gonna die. So are you. But as long as you're alive, you can change things. This is writer-director Jacob Estes, who kind of had this great start out of the gate a few years back, quite a few years back now, with Mean Creek. Mm -hmm. What a great movie that was, and what tremendous performances. Yes, yes. Um, And so, you know, every time he has a movie, I think to myself, well, maybe so. You know, and he wrote and directed this one. And I was somewhat hopeful, especially because of the cast. David Oyelowo, Mm -hmm. who's always good, but... You know, he was so, he, he kind of made his breakthrough. It seemed like he made his breakthrough in Selma. Yes. He was magnificent. Oh, he was. Since then, it seems like he's struggling to get the good, good the part. good parts. Right. But whatever he has, he always makes the most of it. Yeah, he does. And Storm Reed, who is, she's young. She's very young. But she was, she's been great in Slight. And then, of course, she was the lead in A Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. And then the supporting cast, Brian Tyree Henry. Look um, at the Williamson from uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah. And Alfred Molina. Oh, yeah. And you know what's weird? Alfred Molina and Brian Tyree Henry are not actually listed on the cast at IMDb. I don't know why that is, but they're both <laughs> in this, and they're both very, very good. What I think, though, is it's interesting in retrospect that he was able to assemble this incredible cast because I don't know if they saw something in the script that just didn't translate to the screen, but the movie is really a bit of a dud. Yeah, that is interesting. Now, some people are going to immediately, maybe even from the synopsis, think about, wait a minute. If you saw Frequency yeah. in 1999, mm-hmm. and that was Jim Caviezel and Dennis Quaid, and yep. he was communicating with his dead father across this frequency, yep. across time and space yep. or whatever. And it's certainly not the same story here, but it's going to give you 
it's reminiscent of yeah, that this story. one is, is I think a much more intimate and and small story but it, it is reminiscent you know the the uh, his his brother sister-in-law and his beloved niece Ashley uh, are are found dead um shot to death and uh then the next day uh or I guess maybe two days later uh, Ashley starts calling him and she has no idea and she just is talking like nothing ever happened and uh, so he goes back to the scene and she is dead. She's gone. And, and he realizes at some point that he's talking to Ashley from two weeks ago. And so they sort of sleuth out. They investigate together until eventually he has to just he just has to fess up to Ashley. Uh, yeah. I'm your uncle from the future. Right. Um, <laughs> um, and Here are the lotto numbers. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot that's intriguing that you could do with that concept and they just don't really do it and and i think one of the big wastes is oh yellow because i feel like there's so much emotional weight Mm -hmm. that you could explore with this particular concept that they just don't they abandon it really in favor of kind of really boring cop movie cliches yeah the cliches and the shootouts and they seem like just detours that yeah. really take any um, potential away from where they could have gone with weightier issues. Yeah, I agree. Totally. I really think that the performances were very solid, but I just don't think there's much to this film. And it's also a case where the movie maybe thinks its big twists are maybe are more surprising than they really are. Well, I think that's uh, not that uncommon for a film that has such a small overall cast. I mean, there are just there are not that many complications. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. they're you know, and I know that you hate the red herring, but it's it's just that <laughs> you know there are only so many possibilities for where the the investigation is going to go, and yeah. so it's not that hard to figure out. Yeah. So some potential that really isn't realized in Don't Let Go. Next, we have the story of a young soldier with the Army Motorcycle Unit is medically discharged with a broken back and leg. Against all odds, he trains to make an impossible comeback as a motocross racer in order to support his family. This one's called Bennett's War. We were able to save your leg, Sergeant. There's no way to know if it will heal properly. You're done riding. When he finally does start to get his disability, we will be able to help out more. I'm going to lose the farm, son, and I'm behind on the mortgage. So what do you want to do? I think I'll race. Going wheel to wheel is not smart for someone in your condition. Need that money, Cyrus. So you want to get on a bike? I can't just let him sell the house. What did you want me to do? Do you not remember when the doctor said, one bad fall and you could never walk again? I'd rather risk it than die a little bit every day. George, are they going to lose the farm? (laughs) You've seen the trailer. (laughs) They're going to lose the farm. This one, you know, the main thing I thought I was thinking of while watching it was, I really believe its heart was in the right place. I do. But it's so heavy-handed. The other thing I kept thinking of was, if you remember, maybe you have to be a certain age, I don't know, if you remember those middle school sports novels that you took out of the library, (laughs) that's what this is. Mm -hmm. Using sports to kind of give you an inspirational tale and all, we can get it done, but everything is just shoved down your throat about losing the farm, everything. And this one is based around the world of motocross. Now, the writer-director is Alex Renarevelo. Again, a name that I probably butchered. But looking at his track record, he's really made a career out of these sports stories, Mm -hmm. these small sports dramas, and more often than not, motorsports. Right. So he's obviously a fan, and he's clearly a fan of motocross because... They drop a lot of names about motocross racers and uh, some of the equipment. You say there's like a Loretta Lynn race or there something. There is. There's a race called the Loretta Lynn. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. 
I love the motorcycles. Not a big motocross fan, but uh, you know, if you are, this would probably have a lot for you to like because there's there's a lot of racing action in it. There's also a lot of cleavage. There, and you know that's funny because uh, Marshall Bennett, he's the main character. He's played by Michael Rourke, and um, he is the uh, is a soldier that comes back, and he's he's told we're told many many times no unnecessary risks or he'll never walk again. Okay, we get it the first time, especially the second time. And so anyway, his wife, Sophie, is played by Allison Page, who's from the Flash TV, done some other TV. She actually has the movie's most truthful moment because uh, her role, and she, you know what, God love her, she tries to make something out of this role that's written mainly in cleavage and tight tank tops. But then when there, when she finally, and her, her, she's so mad at him for racing again. And then her transition to being all on board happens much too quickly. Yeah. But anyway, she is. And then she's trying to, they got to get sponsors so we can go pro. And she says, I'm going to go get the sponsors. Well, why? Because all the sponsors are men and I have boobs. Like, okay, now there's some self-awareness that this movie <laughs> needs. I think maybe it was meant to be a joke, but it's it's actually the most truthful part of the movie because, uh, okay, we, that's why you've been here half this movie. <laughs> At least it seems that way. And and now, you know, that, that probably there's some truth to that if she's out looking for sponsors anyway. Everything is presented in the in the broadest strokes. Mm-hmm. The villains might as well be twirling their mustaches <laughs> um, as it gets to the big competition. You know, the, the good racing team is going to take on the bad racing team. And it's I expected someone to say, put him in a body bag. <laughs> That's, you know, again, I think their heart with the right. And they're actually, you know, there's some there's some issues here about veterans struggles mm-hmm. when they get home, about the plight of family farmers. You know, we're going to lose the farm. There are. They touch on but they don't have any interest in exploring them no, at all. It's no. just the most shallow possible way and clunky dialogue that we can get to the big sports moment where we all feel inspired, just like, I'm, I go back to it, just like these middle school sports novels. <laughs> so it was really just uh, very, very tiresome, and that is Bennett's War. Another movie with a really good cast that doesn't do a lot with it. It's the manager of an orphanage in Kolkata, Traveling to New York to meet a benefactor. It's called After the Wedding. Hi, good, you made it. Isabel runs an orphanage in India that I'm thinking of funding. Oh. Yeah. What are you doing here? This is strange to see Oscar again. He's a good-looking man now, but back then, it must have really been something. I don't trust your wife. She's going to give you money for your charity, and you're going to question her integrity, huh? 20 million. What does she want? You tell her or I will. I want to know everything. What did you do? So this is a remake of a film, maybe 10 years old or so, that was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film and starred Mads Mikkelsen and was great. And was surprising and was really well handled. And uh, this one is just none of those things. Which, as you say, I mean, it's such a shame because it's Michelle Williams and Julianne Moore and yeah. also Billy Crudup. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Michelle Williams and or Julianne Moore, oh, I'm, I, I'll see oh. anything either one of them are in. You are not kidding. And we should mention his director is Bart Freidlich. Julianne Moore's husband. Julianne Moore's husband. Yeah, and as you say, it's a, a remake of a foreign film. And it's one of those where there are secrets. Uh, Michelle Williams needs money for this orphanage in India, and she's going to get it, possibly, from Julianne Moore. And then, But it's a tough time in her life. She says, well, I'm, I'm, my daughter's getting married. Just come to the wedding. We'll get to know each other better. Yep. And so Michelle Williams comes to the wedding, and oh, she's not 
prepared to see Billy Crudup again. They right. have a past. Yeah. There are secrets. What's going on? And then people don't trust each other. Should I really take her money? What does she want? What does this, this uh, money come with expectations? And then you get that whole ball rolling of who's hiding what, and it just plays out. Well, the, the written review for us at MadWolf.com was done by Brandon Thomas, and he just thought it played out like so much melodrama. Oh, yeah, it's very soap operatic, which is too bad, again, because the original is really not like that. I think one of the reasons that the film might have thought it was more clever than it was is this role reversal. There's a gender swap. Who is the orphanage manager and who is handing them money and what are the reasons there? But it doesn't. It doesn't work, and it doesn't, and it's such a waste of it talent. Is. Yeah, yeah, it ends up just being calculated sentimentality, really. Yes. So uh, disappointed in after the wedding. We'll wrap up with an interesting film. Danish director Mads Brugger and Swedish private investigator Goran Bjorkdal are trying to solve a mysterious death. This one's called Cold Case Hammerskold. This could either be the world's biggest murder mystery, or the world's most idiotic conspiracy theory. I know that I'm speaking for all my fellow Americans, expressing our deep sense of shock in the untimely death of the Secretary General of the United Nations, Mr. Dag Hammarskjöld. Dag Hammarskjöld was a strong-willed idealist. The problem facing the Congo is one of peace or war. That is why he flies in, hoping that he can broker a peace deal. And just as it is about to land, it crashes and he dies. Did you kill Dag Hammarskjöld? Can you switch off? This is one uh, Christy Robb did the written review for us. It's a fascinating story about investigating an old uh, maybe assassination that turns into probably something more problematic uh, in terms of racism and apartheid. But what I think both most interesting and probably most problematic is that the director inserts himself into the film in a way that is meant to sort of represent apartheid Mm -hmm. and racism because he's a a white man and he's forever dictating these things to uh, a secretary who is a black woman. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting for a while, but then eventually it really sort of, I don't know, it just doesn't gel that well with, with the content. Partly because I think the content in and of itself is very interesting. Yeah, and right now it seems, you know, the true crime stuff is all the rage. Oh, yes. People are loving that stuff. And this plays upon that. It also plays upon conspiracy theories. Yes. And, you know, and how the inconclusiveness of it all kind of sheds light on where we are as a society. Yeah. At least where we've been, maybe where we're going and where where it sits now and people's suspicions of other people. So, yeah, it's uh, it's really got a lot of fascinating things going for it. It just kind of stops and starts with the way it uh, puts it all together. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of a mediocre, kind of a, a kind of a lukewarm endorsement, I guess. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Going to the lobby to find out what's out this week on home video DVD. Some big stuff led by Rocket Man. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, I still would recommend you seeing it on the big screen if you possibly can. But uh, if not, if you just want to see it again, and especially for some deleted scenes and extra scenes that I've uh, heard about, haven't yet checked them out, but I want to. The Elton John biopic, as we've talked about it here many times, it's, it's really done in such a fresh way to present a story we've seen so many times before. Mm-hmm. You know, it's talent, it's stardom, it's drugs, it's fall, it's comeback. But this one is presented in a, a much different way. And, of course, you've got the tunes right. and the showmanship. So, yeah, loved Rocket Man. Still one of our favorites of the year so far. 
Godzilla King of the Monsters is out, and this is one that, boy, we didn't love it. I see a lot of love for it among the real kaiju fans. Right, right. And I think a lot of that had to do with there were so many kaiju mm-hmm. that got a minute mm-hmm. or two, and the very respectful of the sort of history of these films, soundtrack and score. Oh, yes. So I think that, you know, and I think they got a lot of points, and good for them. I'm glad that they that they did appeal to the base in that way. But, uh, but the surrounding story. Yeah, oh. as, as we said at the time. I mean, I just, for a film that had so... So many actors in, uh, of, of color. Diversity. Yep. It, it, every scene went back to the one blandly handsome white guy re-explaining everything to a room full of scientists of color. And there were so many leaps of logic. And I, I get it. We're here for the monsters. That's right. why I just kept hearing. Yeah. I get that. But I didn't even think, even though there were a lot of them, I just... I personally thought the battles themselves were better staged in the first oh, one. Oh, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. No, I definitely do. But, you know, if you really love the, the kaiju and the Godzilla stuff, it might be your bag if you haven't seen it yet. I've certainly talked to a lot of people that feel that way. Also out on home video this week, Secret Life of Pets 2. So this one, you know, this is another one that I think that a lot of people really enjoyed. They thought it was very cute. I did not care for it. Um, I thought uh, what, they split the characters into sort of three different storylines, which is fine. Gives you a chance to sort of dig in a little bit with uh, all of the different pets. And then they come back together in a, you know, a, a kind of a fun way. I just, I, I didn't like sort of the overall theme of... Uh-huh. Traditional family and, you know, uh, don't seek help if you are maybe having some emotional troubles. I thought it was much too alpha dog, do the masculine thing. Yeah, so Rocket Man, definitely the big winner in the uh, home video releases this week. As we said, we're looking forward to a big one next week. Who is excited for It Chapter 2? I am. Our, I hands, am. our hands are up. <laughs> our hands are up. So really looking forward to uh, talking about that next week because we were both very impressed by It Chapter 1. We were very impressed by it. And you know what else, though, I'm excited for next week is, is a smaller film called Satanic Panic. And uh, Ted Gagan was uh, responsible in some part for the story behind it. And uh, and uh, it's got a lot of buzz coming out of film festival, so I'm excited for it. Very cool. So well, we'll talk about those and more next week. In the meantime, uh, let us know if you checked out any of the movies from this week or even from uh, the week or two before. We're always uh, up for talking about the movies. You can find us online. Easiest way to keep the conversation going is on Twitter. We are at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, also on Facebook and Instagram. It is Mad Wolf Columbus from our home base in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, you can always find our written reviews and other fun stuff, including our horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. You can find all that on our main website, which is madwolf.com. And uh, we always appreciate you stopping by the screening room. And wherever it is that you are listening, if you would just take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review, we would appreciate it. Yeah, that would be very great. So uh, until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.